hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. This is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 25th, 2022, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Can you believe we're at the end of January 2022 already? That's crazy. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, crypto bro, Derek Reiner. <laughs> Boy, if you don't shut up. <laughs> and from, uh, I guess you're in Fort Worth, Texas still, sitting in for Jamie Ivey this week is our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey, Emily. Hey. How's how's Fort Worth? Have you been to the rodeo yet? No, and I, I, I'm i not a country girl, I'll be honest, so I don't think I'm going to make it out to the stockyards. What? Uh, and that, that, that's what you do in Fort Worth. That's the difference. Like, Dallas is like cosmopolitan and yeah. Fort Worth is like rodeo, right? And that's yes. the difference. Oh, okay. That's, getting, okay. that's the vibe. It, I think well, so. Well, it's getting more cosmopolitan because I like Dallas, there's only, I mean, you can't grow it anymore. It's already like you just have to keep expanding out. So when I was growing up, Dallas was like city, Fort Worth was country, but now it's getting there. It's There's a lot of new stuff. I'm sure there's fun things to do, but I still think of it as like the rodeo and I don't really want to be around a bunch of smelly animals. Um, not really, That's not fair. really how I want to spend That's my fair. time here. So, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Well, fair enough. All right. Well, we have a great show coming up for you today. Coming up later, it's uh, the next installment of our new you series. We're talking about Enneagram this week, and author Ian Morgan Cron joins us for a fascinating conversation. You don't want to miss that. Um, also, at the end of the show today, we have a new segment. It's not. A game is not like a debate per se. It's called Roommate Wanted. It's a brand new segment that Tyler has made mm. for us. So mm. okay. I told Emily right. before the show, it's a little bit like truth or dare. So oh. it's not, it's not actually truth or dare. Uh, okay. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Yeah, it, it is. It is crazy that, you know, I feel like, I feel like this New Year's and last New Year's is a real sense of dread, like coming in to the year like, oh, boy, how are we going to top last year? Is this one going to be bad? Last year, it was like, well, six days in, uh, we were watching, uh, you know, uh, a federal institution nearly being overthrown by an angry mob. It was off to a rough start. I feel like this is I could be forgetting and I probably am a lot of big stuff, but I feel like. January, this was a pretty memorable, I mean, like, forgettable month in terms of, like, you know, anything collectively traumatic happening you know, for the I, most part. You well, know, it was a pretty I, great, good, not a bad month. To make your point, like, if you heard Friday's, if people heard Friday's podcast, like, if the mo- biggest controversy that happened in January was a pastor spit on somebody as a sermon illustration, that's a pretty good month. So, yeah, I'll take it. I'm with you. I mean, there's probably a lot of stuff I'm There was a volcano but... eruption and some tsunamis, and That's Betty true. White died, and Bob Saget died. Betty White died last month. She died in December. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that doesn't count. I don't know. To me, it feel like 2020 2. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it don't feel, it feel the same to me. 
Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not as optimistic, but I'm like, dang, Jesse, <laughs> Betty White died and Bob Saget died too. But at, but at, but at least they were at least like they were like you know at it least wasn't Betty tragic. White. Yeah, it, like it, they you were know, older I mean, they both. Age, yeah, yeah, and they were both like you know all the remembrances have been really touching, and I think reminded mm-hmm. us like sort of mm-hmm. about uh, the the kind of humanity. It's like I don't know. Obviously, anytime someone dies, it's it's tragic, right? right. But when but with those two figures, and I would even I know I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, but even like someone like a John Madden kind of in the mix or Sidney Poitier. Yeah, or mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, like th- th- we're we're talking figures who all of their remembrances, none of the they don't have asterisks. They don't mm-hmm. have uh mm-hmm. sort of, you know, that second paragraph in the obituary where it's like some sort of scandal or, or something. Mm-hmm. These were these were people who, you know, I, I don't want to put you know, every all of them at the same level, obviously, in their contributions to culture sure. and and society. But I do feel like a common thread is they all sort of inspired remembrances that hopefully kind of were solid remembrances reminders of like what a good human life can be and like the humanity that unites us not the ideological differences that can divide us like these mm-hmm. are people who you know uh, you know had different outlooks different perspectives lived very different lives but their remembrances was all like i remember watching the i, I listened to wesley morris from the new york the pulitzer prize running culture critic from the new york times did a really beautiful episode of the daily uh reflecting on life and legacy of cindy portier um you know i watched this thing on madden you saw the the stuff with bob Saget, all the comedians and Betty White stuff. And it's like, every one of them I walked away the same thing. It's like, man, I hope one day when I go, you know, whenever that is, people will have a few nice things to say, even mm-hmm. if it, even if it's a tiny, tiny portion, because the hearing people, thoughtful people reflect on the lives of other thoughtful people, it really does kind of inspire you to be like, hey, there's a common humanity here that unites mm-hmm. us. And that's, you know, I think it's good to kind of reflect on that a little. Well, there yeah, you go. That's, good. that's a good point, bro. That's what a, a touching way to start... Mm. 2022 just yeah, being appreciative exactly. and inspired to become better people and leave a positive legacy i like mm. it mm. all right well uh we got a lot to get to uh stay tuned up next it's license yeah we're like black coffee leave our greens at the Listening to AVIV, the song is Black Coffee. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. In 2022, mental health is something that we're finally talking about. So many people are struggling right now and aren't feeling like their normal selves. Well, guess what? Therapy helps. Now, what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. You can talk privately to someone if you're feeling like you're not dealing well with stress or you have relationship issues, anything. Whatever you need. Don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you. And right now, relevant podcast listeners can get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash relevant. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant to save 10% off your first month. Great deal.
Okay, it's time for slices. You didn't use the uh, user submitted uh, jingle. Oh, I, I, we're, we're kind of in limbo on that one. I thought I liked a bit, it. Maybe I liked it. It yeah. had a good vibe. Try to get uh, sound well, like well, sound like the the, uh, the <laughs> idiom version of sexual healing. <laughs> hold on, hold on, just a second. <laughs> oh yeah, girl, it's time for slices now. If you can see me, I'm doing the body roll. You know what I'm saying? If you can see it. It's like Daft Punk did like a weird R&B album, and this was, and, and they also did the slices jingle for yeah. us. Yeah. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, so we've talked about this. Uh, one topic I, I like to discuss on this uh, podcast, and I feel like relevant is always engaged thoughtfully with, is the uh, uh, bioethics and the intersections of sort of human ethics, science, and faith. And so I just want to quickly just throw something out there and just get, you know, uh, before I jump into the slice, what are your guys' thoughts about uh, sort of um, cross-species uh, medical interventions. So, so basically, like the pig heart. Uh, Are you talking about the pig heart? I'm talking about the pig heart. I'm going to jump right to the pig heart, and then we'll get more specific here. Mm. Uh, but there's a, a man named Dave Bennett, and he's the first ever recipient of a heart transplant, uh, and the heart was from a uh, from a pig. Now they had to do some slight gene modifications and things to the pig heart, but essentially, it's a it's a heart that was in a living pig that uh, was given to this man because. Uh, you know, and and I should probably give credit to the University of Maryland Medical Center because it seems like a pretty big deal, and yeah. they should probably get recognition for this. That's not—I wouldn't imagine that's an easy surgery. Is oh, well, hey, honey, what what do you have going on today? Oh, I just got a quick day at the office. I got to put a living pig heart into a human and uh, get him sewn up and out the door. So anyway, they they uh, because there is a significant waiting list for organs in in this country it's over a hundred thousand people currently waiting for organ lists so if you're not an organ donor i do personally i'm not going to tell other people what to do but i do think it's a good ethical thing like to why do why wouldn't be you be an donor. organ donor you're dead and gone Le- positively help somebody save somebody's life you know yeah yeah exactly so uh but but either way uh so they they were able to do this transplant um and it was effective uh dave bennett this seems like he's gonna have a full recovery and is gonna get a lot Crazy. to live a lot more years with his ticker once well you know there's an episode pig. of seinfeld about this that's where right, kramer found pig a pig man in the hospital that's right. And, and, uh, and well, and that's what I wanted to talk about, because obviously, I think in this case, it seems like the moral outcome of this story is a positive one. Someone who needed a heart got one. You know, it didn't come from a human. Uh, but there are kind of I, I hate kind of the term slippery slope, but there are, you know, further advances where you could see there being sort of ethical concerns. Uh, but, um, you know, because of the interesting sort of uh, uh, ethical questions and spiritual questions. It involves uh, Albert Muller, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, or the Southern, I'm sorry, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, actually released a statement about this, about his thoughts as someone who thinks about ethics. And I don't want to get too much into Albert Muller's uh, 
you know, leanings, but just from a purely theological perspective, as one of the few theologians who kind of spoke out about this, he said there are serious moral and worldview questions to be addressed in this new procedure, and there are no categorical reasons for Christians to reject it at all. And he, I should say he, he, he wrote this in an opinion piece for World Magazine. He said, keeping the distinction between the pig and the man will be crucial. I think that seems pretty evident here. Uh, but we can properly thank God for this uh, particular pig and pray for this particular man. Yes, God. Yes, Albert Muller. We will pray. Thank God for this particular pick. But either way, like, I do think it's an interesting case. I think it's, uh, I think it's positive, obviously, that this guy's got life saving surgery. But what are your guys' sort of thoughts about the ethics of using animal, whether it's organs or, or, or kind of, other organic biological body parts and kind of injecting them into into or or transplanting them to humans because you could see in this case it was for medical intervention but mm-hmm. what if in the future you would do it for maybe not cosmetic but maybe sort of like vanity or performance reasons like I, I don't think it's too far down the line where you could say hey if I could have if we discover that if you implant yourself with a pig heart you're going to get five times stronger people are going to you know conceivably want that procedure done. What are your guys' thoughts about this type of medical intervention? I think as long as it stays medical intervention, I don't have any problem with it. Because like you said, there's a shortage of organs and it makes sense, you know, like just because someone dies doesn't mean that their heart is going to fit necessarily the next person on the list. So I think if we can increase the organ donor list, I don't see any issue with that. Now, what you're saying about like performance or I guess cosmetic even, I would have a problem with that mainly because I think... I could see people saying, well, I deserve that pig heart because I want to be faster. Not I deserve that pig heart because I want to be healthier and like my life depends on it. So I think if it stays how it is now, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's actually a really incredible solution. And like, you know, it's kind of funny. We say that we're thanking God for the pig, but truthfully, like the fact that we do have these, um, beings on earth that can like help us stay healthy and take care of our bodies, I think is really, I don't know. I I think it's really beautiful personally. Or the other um, critique that I would have is with the vanity part. I'm really kind of like me. I'm my hands are in there. Like, I don't know guys. I I don't know either way, but one thing I do know what would upset me, frustrate me would be people just destroying animals for vanity. Like mm. more than, you know, like, hey, I want to run faster. That's a very vain reason to, you know what I'm saying? Destroy mm-hmm. an animal and, and 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 raise an animal for that reason. So that's kind of for me. I'm like, why would like why would we do that to to animals? Like, why would well, we more, do that? So, more likely than it being like we're having farms of organs you know being raised is is that it'll probably become like 3D printing like. Cause they can 3d print like biomatter, right. And flesh and stuff. And like 3d printing a perfect ear for somebody yeah, who lost their hearing. Just 3d print a, a heart and stuff. And that's probably where it'll go. In my opinion, yeah. it won't be more about harvesting from animals. It'll be more about creating artificial biological material to replace that heart or, lung hey, or look, whatever. We're going into a brand new world. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't know because I'm like I don't know if the Bible prepared us for this one 
Right. You know, I know people are going to try to take stuff from Genesis six and say, you know, that's where we're headed. The days of Noah and, and all those different things. I'm like, I don't know if this is like that. Cause I don't know if they had 3d heart printers back in Genesis six. Some would say they would, I don't know, but it's just, we're at a, we're at a place where I'm like, I have no clue what's about to happen. You know, I mean, so. the new episode of the Boba Fett series had a gang of youths that were enhancing themselves by installing exactly. drone parts on their bodies. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of the same direction of it going yeah. from life-saving intervention to just like vanity enhancements and going beyond mm-hmm. what the natural God created body. But we're do. already doing that in crude yeah. fashion. Like plastic surgery is just that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's literally you're taking something foreign to your body, slapping it on your body to make yourself look more like you feel would be more desirable. So the 3D printing of of is just a better version of the plastic, you know. So I'm like, I, I'm like, hey, I don't know, guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, LASIK is using lasers to make your eyes more precise. You know, uh-huh. baseball players mm-hmm. now, a lot of pitchers are getting preemptive Tommy John surgery because mm-hmm. a lot of pitchers are better after they get this surgery. Uh, so some pitchers are like, well, my Tommy John's fine, but I'm going to go ahead and get the surgery because I might need it one day and it'll go ahead and make me better now. Mm-hmm. Like we're already, I mean, there's a thousand other examples like, you know, that, that, that all of us could, you know, probably just rattle off if we thought about of, I mean, we put metal into our teeth to make them last longer and prevent them from rotting. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there are interesting sort of, you know, kind of rationales that you could go down that would be like, well, how is that different than this? But I don't know. It's really interesting to follow up, but I'm at least glad some Christians are engaged in the conversation. Yeah. That's the thing is like the, the technology is progressing way faster than the church is talking about it. And, and, and we can't stick our head in the sand because this actually matters theologically on one extreme, you know, if we can create anatomy you know you have this slippery slope of like well what is a soul you know like if is there a certain percentage of my biological body being fake or being man-made that like what is human you know like at that that conversation and then you have the other side of the conversation saying no 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 that's not what god intended that's man playing god well then Mm. taking that to its logical conclusion you have to have the theology of a Christian scientist, you know, like where it's like no medical intervention, you know, it's like natural selection. Like if God gave you cancer, then you, you can't take medicine, you have to die. Right. And, you know, so it's like, which is it like, do we, you know, it's like this like murky in between area where we just kind of accept medical advances because it's just a good part of society. But it's like, you know, is the church wrapping our head around the, the ethical and spiritual theological implications of where this is actually naturally progressing toward, which would be honestly playing God, like designer babies, yeah. like putting, you know, putting DNA together in the womb to make a baby, a super athlete or whatever. Like that's possible. And well, is it, it right? You know, that's the it, question. Well, I mean, there, there's an ancient Greek thought experiment, the, the ship of Theseus, I think it's called, but mm-hmm. essentially it's like if you have an mm-hmm. old wooden ship and every time a piece of wood rotted out and you replace that one piece of wood, 
mm-hmm. you know, but it's the same ship. At what point do you replace enough of the wood that it's a different ship? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, it, and that thought experiment has been around for, is it 50, 50? Does it ever become a new ship? Cause you're just replacing parts that were already there. I mean, those parts mm-hmm. might be enhanced, but it's the same ship. Right. Like even just thinking about that when the, the human body, I think is a, is a worthy thought experiment for Christians who believe in a creator, you know, that thought experiment has a lot of power to kind of uh, demonstrate the ethical and spiritual complexities of a lot of these issues. Well, and, and it has real world impact too, because like even just with medical advances and preventative measures and things like that, like right now, uh, uh, affluent people live on average 20 years longer than impoverished people. So it's like as as this stuff progresses and these things become more possible and, and accessible, it may be a quarter million dollars. Well, that person just took enhanced their life for another 30 years and then poor people are dying off. You know, it's just like, so all of a sudden now the economic and societal imbalance gets even a further divide. You know, it's there's a lot of layers to this that the church needs to be talking about. And the church typically puts its head in the sand when it comes to science. So. Clark, you got to play a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're headed, guys. I told a friend this uh, a couple of days ago. I said, I don't know a lot, but I know that we're not going back to we're not going back to pre 2020, 2019. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like the it's like we've lived three lifetimes in three years. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. Like things have just been progressing at such a very fast rate yeah. to where I mean, we're putting pig hearts in people like. Mm-hmm. And, and people are millionaires because they drew an ape and sold a JPEG of it. Yo. Mm-mm. 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 All right. What do you have, Derek? Yeah, there's a, a hunger strike at Rikers Island protesting some of the awful conditions. Is that still going uh, on? Holy cow. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. still going on. So mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of Rikers detainees are saying, you know, we're not going to eat anything until they fix the conditions in here. So they're like dangerously low temperatures, bugs, mice mold and they're like the situations just getting worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. even the food is bad so um i mean the long and short of this situation is i mean as especially for people who call themselves christians uh one of the things that christ commanded was or uh in the new testament was commanded by paul is to remember those that are in in prison uh that's one of the main things that that's, that's in, that paul is saying he was a prisoner so he knows exactly how it feels to be a prisoner and one thing about it just because you made a bad decision or just because you've done something bad that's put you that's put you in prison doesn't mean you're any less than human so we we can't let people that have made decisions or people that we're jailing up, we can't let them be treated inhumane. Yeah. Like this yeah, is, this is a, something that needs to be addressed for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, just one quick point on that. I, I think, you know, the irony of a lot of these, you know, big, you know, jails and prison complexes and institutions being called correctional facilities when right. they're not looking to correct behavior or be, mm-hmm. you know, it's completely retribution and it's completely yeah. punitive yep. with no course for any sort of redemption on the other side. If you're going to put people in basically a torture chamber and tell them, good luck surviving for the next X amount of years. 
you know, obviously that 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 would destroy the mental health of of someone, you know, that isn't already, uh, you know, kind of facing the consequences for actions that led them there. It's it's terrible. And it, it undermines what we could be doing, you know, as a good for society and a good for victims of crimes and, you know, good for, you know, by by, you know, restorative justice measures, as well as good for people who've made mistakes and, and need redemption on the other side. Mm. All right. What do you have, Emily? Um, well, to no one's surprise, I'm going to have some pop culture news. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe will be playing Weird Al Yankovic in a biopic, which is mm. so funny to me because... Remind uh, me who Daniel is. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. I, okay, I've never Sorry. seen him, so I... Oh, well, that oh, is something we need to talk about. Oh, you are a good Christian, honey. No, nice I just was the wrong Potter. age. I was too old for <laughs> You're never too out. old for Harry Potter. Whatever. Um, yeah, so it'll be fun. He has played some weird indie roles in the last couple uh-huh. of years. Uh, so I think he's going to do really well in it because, I mean, Weird Al is weird. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting. It's funny to me that Weird Al's getting a movie about his life because while he has done a lot of things... I feel like there's so many other celebrities that I don't, I don't want to say deserve a biopic about their life, but it, he was not going to be my first pick. So there's an untold story. We just know his spoof songs. Maybe and there's maybe this there crazy is. personal story behind it. Like maybe what if he's is. the smartest person on the planet? Like literally, like what if he's like a neurophysicist? He's like Rain Man with numbers and all that stuff. I like it. And just his persona was just jokes. And that's all we know him for. So the biopic is gonna show this tortured soul who's like, like it. a genius. I, I, I think that that's going to be something like that you're going to see. You, right, usually comedy comes out of pain, you know? <laughs> so like he's going to have a dark backstory, you know, that the way he coped is doing spoofs. Like hey, Emily, I'm with you. I feel like if someone gave me the option, and I think most people would take this, like, hey, for the next hour, 45 minutes, you can watch the life story of Weird Al Yankovic portrayed by um, Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. uh, you know, with, with a very proficient filmmaker. Or for the next hour and forty five minutes, you can watch nothing but Weird, Weird Al Yankovic parody music videos. Exactly, and 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 you come out with the same. Which one were you more entertained was and by, and which one did you have more appreciation for the genius of Weird Al? I would take number two every time. Just queue up a bunch of videos; they're hilarious. Yes. Those ones, at least as I remember them, you know, when well, I was like yes. seventeen. Yeah, but, but, but I think, remember them all. This turns out to be like a Tiger King sort of situation where it's just absolutely <laughs> insane. I would rather watch just the music videos. What if, what if it turns out like when Jim Carrey did the Andy Kaufman biopic, Man on the Moon, it was yeah. unbelievable and opened people's eyes to this whole other side of this, you know, kind of crazy comic. There was a really dark underbelly. It was a gripping story. I mean, maybe there's something like that with Weird Al, you know? Weird Al a real genius in real life. I like y'all it. hating on my boy, but I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be watching this joint. I think it's gonna I'm be gonna fun. go in with low expectations, and y'all can go in with high expectations. Yeah, and we'll I'm see sure. who's right. We'll All see. Right. All right, well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Ian Morgan Cron joins us. Make him sing. Like 
Listening to MC Nice and Jarrett Burton, the song is Yeah. Well, this week's conversation is part of our series, New You, the eight-week limited content series that we've been doing presented by UHSM. Every week, we'll be speaking with leaders, experts on ways we can be healthier in spirit, mind, and body. We're posting new articles every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. And here on the podcast, you'll hear conversations that are part of that week's uh, series as well. Well, this week, our guest is Ian Morgan Cron. He's a leading expert on Enneagram and the author of The Road Back to You. It is phenomenal. Ian uses his expertise to encourage and empower individuals to understand how their mind operates in order to be their best selves. Uh, Ian sat down with us to discuss how having a better understanding of who you are can help you accomplish your goals and why it's important to focus on yourself. Here is our conversation with Ian Morgan Cron. When I first began working with the with the Enneagram, I, I recognized that these were personality types, right? But the more I read them, the more I realized that not only were they personality types, but they were really stories, nine stories, one of which each of us tells about ourselves about who we are and how we think the world works. These stories, you know, we begin to craft a narrative uh, as little people and um, we, we find that these stories in psychology are absolutely necessary. They're not always very positive, but they're necessary because they, they help us make sense of our experience and of the world around us. And uh, unfortunately, these stories are largely made up of, you know, internalized messages that we've picked up from the important people in our lives and in the environment, you know, like family, friends, coaches, teachers, ministers, you know, youth, pad, I mean, I don't know what, whatever things we, these different voices. Uh, and um, they're made up of these kind of like taken for granted false beliefs that get woven into us in this story. And then, unfortunately, we take that story and we drag it into adulthood. Like we don't even know we're doing it but we drag it into adulthood and that story begins to define us, right? And each of the nine stories of the Enneagram are really problematic, right? Because the underlying premise of each of those stories is in direct opposition to the story of grace. Like for example, the improver one, you know, this, this compulsive need to perfect themselves, others and the world in order to be loved, like like where where anywhere in our tradition does it say that that in order to be loved you must be perfect? You cannot make mistakes, right? All of these stories are conditional, and so my whole thing is: listen, if you if you want to experience transformation, you actually have to attack the underlying premise of your particular type's story. So that's that's sort of a very new approach to the enneagram, a narrative approach to it. And what I've seen in my own experience and the experience of people I've worked with is that it's had tremendous effect. I love that you are digging into this because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they maybe find their Enneagram, but they don't go much deeper or they don't really do anything else with it after they take the test. So in your own experience, how have you seen people utilize Enneagram or maybe some other personality test uh, to affect their day-to-day lives? Yeah, well, I think... 
it has tremendous influence over how we move through the world. You know, do we move through the world reacting to life or do we move through the world responding to life, right? Um, it helps us as we understand our own story, our type's story and, and that of others, it, it arouses tremendous compassion and empathy for the, the stories that other people find them stu themselves stuck in uh, as well. It, uh, you know, there's nothing in many ways more important than being able to move through life with conscious awareness of what you're thinking, acting, and feeling in any given moment so that you can make healthy choices about how you're going to move through the world. Are you going to move through the world with uh, an autopilot or are you going to move through the world with emotional wisdom? And so my hope is that, you know, as I work with the Enneagram and as I work with people's different stories to help them really get their story straight, if you will, um, that then uh, people can um, live into the, becoming the highest expression of who they are as human beings. And uh, to me, that's kind of what the spiritual journey is all about. interesting is this story of our childhood that you mentioned you know it shapes who we become but something I feel like I've heard a lot and I'm sure you've heard too is some people say you know I didn't have any trauma growing up or there's nothing I need to deal with from my childhood and you know as I get older I've realized that that's just not true we all have varying degrees of you know quote-unquote trauma that we should deal with so how do you respond to someone who thinks that way well you know, I have, we have an old joke in, in, among a group of therapist friends of mine that, that people like that suffer from reality resistance disorder. You know, it's like, I don't care how charmed or wonderful a childhood you had, you, you I mean, all of us pick up um, messages about who we are and how the world works that are really self-defeating and self-limiting in adulthood. All of us carry scars. All of us carry trauma. You don't have to be afraid of that word. You know, all of us carry. Now, for some of us, it may be little T trauma and other people capital T trauma, but everybody, everybody has suffered trauma, right? So, you know, I think that there's, for people like that, oftentimes when I meet them, I'm a little bit like, hmm, sounds like to me that there's um, avoidance happening. Uh, like, it's like, I don't really actually want to look at what's happened in the past. So I'm just going to pretend that nothing happened in the past. And, you know, come on, that's, that's just not even humanly possible. You know, granted, some people have an easier time of it. But, uh, you know, ain't nobody, everybody's a recovering child. Something we're currently talking about at Relevant is how do we equip people with tools to be their new selves or a better self? And I, I think the Enneagram can help with that, uh, especially in ways that people don't realize or don't think. So how would you say the Enneagram helps people maybe professionally? Because uh, I think, you know, something like that, that's an overlooked aspect or benefit of the Enneagram. Well, I mean, it, the same way it can in your marriage or your parenting skills or in your relationships with friends. I mean, it's uh, the, the capacity, self-knowledge 
is absolutely critical in the human life, right? You you need self-knowledge. You need self-awareness. I think they're key predictors of success and happiness in life. Uh, It's difficult to accrue, right, to get a lot of uh, self-knowledge and self-awareness. One of the great things about the Enneagram is it can save you time, (laughs) right? It it can give you a lot of self-knowledge pretty darn quickly, right? Exhaustively, no. But it gets you a really, really good start on the journey of, of developing self-knowledge. You know, you think about Calvin. He once said, you know, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. That's an amazing statement. And uh, I, I, I'm always thinking, gosh, I wish, I wish more people would take that seriously, you know, uh, and not think of, you know, trying to gain self-knowledge as navel-gazing. You know, it's not. Uh, it's really an crucial part of the spiritual journey uh, and beginning to address um, areas of brokenness in our lives and uh, so that we can as I mentioned earlier I use that term move through the world with more emotional wisdom right awareness living consciously awake of what's happening in any given moment and being able to observe ourselves in the moment and how we're predictably and habitually acting, thinking, and feeling so that we can make new choices, better choices as we move through the world. Ian Morgan Cron. You can read more of that conversation over at relevantmagazine.com. It's right there in the new you section. Uh, it's right under the life tab. You can life new you. There you go. And make sure to check out the rest of the articles and the new you series that UHSM is sponsoring. It's been a great series. It's really cool. Uh, also, as you're thinking about uh, your health care this year, look into UHSM. They offer member-based programs where faithful people can take charge of their own health care. From telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life, UHSM has something for everyone. For more info, head over to UHSM.org or contact a representative at 800-900-8476. And again, thank you to them for sponsoring our new U series. It's really cool. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's Roommate Wanted. You're listening to Lael, L-A-E-L. Song is You Can't Stay Mad at Me. Okay, it is time for Roommate Wanted. Roommate Wanted. Now, okay, so we've all seen these memes online where it's like, here's a grid of like four tables, like lunch tables. Which group of people would you want to sit with? That's what this is. So Tyler Huckabee, our senior editor, has come up with a list of six houses okay that you know that the marking 
The housing market crisis has reached its peak and you need to move in with some roommates. That's the scenario here. <laughs> Below are the six houses available to you along with their current tenants. Choose which house you would want to move into. Okay. I'm going to tell the listeners the six houses. You guys have the list in front of you because you've got to think about this. So I just, there's no winner. There's no whatever. I just want, after I tell the list, I want y'all to tell me what house you would move into and why. Okay, here we go. House number one, here's the four current tenants. Lecrae, Joe Exotic, Lauren Daigle, and Mike Todd. Might be a little sloppy (laughs) in that one. House two, Beth Moore, Nick Walenda, the Babylon Bee editorial team, and Katy Perry in her Christian singer-songwriter era as Katie Hudson. Okay, that's house number two. House three, Nicholas Cage lives there. Michelle Obama lives there. Elmo and Rocco live there. So there's going to be a lot of tension. House four, Beyonce, Keanu Reeves, Kanye, and Pete Davidson. Kanye and Pete Davidson are both roommates. All right, here we go. House five, Christian Scott era, Oscar Isaac. Not the current Dune guy, not the, no. Christian Ska band era, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac. Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, still in character from House of Gucci, and Novak Djokovic, the tennis player who won't get a vaccine. House six, (laughs) Tiffany Haddish, Ted Lasso, Adele, and Kevin Sorbo, still in character from God's Not Dead. Okay, so which house do you want to move into and why, Jesse, you can kick us off? I'm living on the streets at this point. These are my options. What season is it? Is it spring or summer? Can I can I fend you for myself? You a one year lease, so you're going to be there for all the seasons for a whole you know, year. Oh yeah, as someone who's currently homeless, I am feeling pretty good about my current situation. So so okay, here I you know I I can the thing is like there's at least one house roommate in a lot of these situations where I just don't think it's happening. Like I I you know house six Ted Lasso Tiffany Haddish Adele. Great hangs right there. Yeah. I can see us all having a lot of fun playing on roommate board game night until Kevin Sorbo comes and all the fun is ruined. I'm sorry. I don't care if he's in character or not. I don't care what character he's playing, including himself. I just don't think he's as good a hang as right. those guys. Right. And I think game night's going to go a little south. Right. I just have that impression right. from his social media presence. Now, you know, again, the Novak Djokovic thing, I, I, I again, we're, we made it this far in the pandemic. I, I don't, I'm not getting involved with that. Yeah. Now, I'll say the one that intrigues me the most, and I, I think a lot of people would think I'm more of a House 3 type of guy with Nicolas Cage, Michelle Obama, and two inanimate Muppets, but I will say this. House 4 gives me the most intrigue, because if I'm going to do a one-year lease, I'm going to come out of there. Keanu Reeves, Kanye, and Pete Davidson. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. First off, let's it, it, it just... If it was just Keon, uh, uh, Kanye and Pete Davidson, I'm in. Okay. But here's the thing, because I just want to see, I just want to see the beef. All right. And we were reading about it, whether you want to read about it or not. I don't read a lot of celebrity journalism, but I can't help it. It's everywhere. But I'll say this. There is, Keanu Reeves seems like the best, the, the most chill dude and a peacemaker ever. If there's one person that could bring Kanye and Pete Davidson <laughs> to see the light together, it would be Keanu. Yeah, I'd be but, interested. Hold on. But this isn't like you're, that. you're not on a, like a desert island or anything this is a normal roommate situation so pete davidson's girlfriend would come over and visit uh, yes but, but so, here's the x factor here's the x factor uh, beyonce if beyonce calls a house meeting guess uh-huh. what there's a house meeting what beyonce <laughs> says goes you get beyonce to call a house meeting i will just be at a casual observer we'll have keanu 
moderate, and we'll we will bring healing to Pete Davidson and Kanye. I don't see this one going wrong at all. I'm I'm all about that house. That's all right, my Derek. Decision. What house are you moving into? Uh, bro, you already knew it was house four, dog. House yeah, four, yeah. Kanye Ka- being able to shadow Kanye and Beyonce for a whole year. Oh, do you know you how crazy that would be as a as an artist, a musical artist, Keanu Reeves, like as cool of a, this is the same guy who knew someone that didn't, has never had truffles, chocolate and, and wine. And after a movie goes and brings this to her, eats them with her to make sure that she had a great time. Like this guy is such a, I mean, he donated 70% of his matrix money to, to a charity. Like this is a, this is a good man. So, and then Pete Davidson, like I think Pete Davidson gets trashed a lot, but he seems like a cool guy. I don't even lie. He doesn't even seem like that bad of a guy. Like I'm seeing how people are like dogging him out, but I'd like to just, you know, kick it with him too. He seemed pretty cool. So now, yeah, I'm going house four for sure. Now, Emily, before you make your guess, I should have let this clarify, but I feel like before you make your decision, we do need one clarifying point. House one, which is Lecrae. Lauren Daigle, Mike Todd, and Joe Exotic. That's a very Christian Joe house, Ex- other than Joe Exotic. Does Joe Exotic come with tigers? Because I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I feel like he's got to at least get one tiger. He is the tiger Maybe king. Maybe a little cub. So, yeah. So anyway, He'll smuggle Emily, something. Can we at least establish that that one has a pet tiger at house one? <laughs> hey, that's even more of a reason for me not to be in the house. Yeah. Like, I wasn't going to be in it. Anyway, like shout out to Lecrae, much love to bro, and Mike Todd, much love to bro. But I ain't going nowhere where it's no tiger. I'm just gonna let y'all know that now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's a tiger, I'm cool. I'm less concerned about Joe Exotic's tigers than all the other stuff he would bring into the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I watched that. That'd make it fun. No, (laughs) it would not. Y'all literally, no lie, y'all literally just set Lecrae and Mike Todd up because you know they're going to go to jail. Joe Exotic going to get off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, which house are you moving into? Um, I'm definitely moving into house five. uh, Oh, what? I know. I know. Well, because of T Swift. Okay. 100%. Oh, Tay Tay is a band. You can do a band. In my mind, all these houses are in like the same neighborhood, right? I don't know if that's true, but that's how I'm imagining this. So, me and Taylor Swift, who are already destined to be best friends, we're just going to go across the street, go hang out with Adele, and just ignore you know, potentially murderous Lady Gaga and Oscar Isaac can come with us. He's cool. He can hang out with us. There's Novak. only two houses where you're likely to get COVID though, is house five with Novak Djokovic and vexed. Mike Todd so smearing like, stuff on your face in house one. So like you're there's going enough, to, the, oh, there's I, enough of us though that I feel like I could avoid him. I would just, and honestly I'll make jokes to him. I don't care. And then he won't want to hang out with me. So I'll be that mean roommate. So if you're just going to hang out with T-Swift and break off I, and like... Absolutely, yes. Okay, form a click. Okay. Yeah. And Oscar Isaac. I feel like Christian Scobie and Oscar Isaac, he'd have fun. Yeah, I We'd think have fun be together. Fun. Yeah. And that's yeah, what I'm saying. I'll go... Cool. I'll have my neighbors, Adele, who also is very tempting to live with, but I do not want to live with Kevin Sorbo, Sorbo as yeah. Jesse pointed out, in any character. Yeah. So. 
You know, Danny, I, I, what's wrong with Kevin Sorbo? It's still in character from God's Not Dead. That is not a fun guy to live <laughs> with. I've never, I've never seen that movie. So. Right, I saw the trailer and it was enough. I, I do want to make a case for House 2, and I'll give you my reasons for I didn't choose it, which is, for a reminder, it's Beth Moore, Nick Willenda, Katy Perry and her Christian singer-songwriter era as Katie Hudson, and the Babylon B editorial team. That would be the now, painful I part. Think, I, I think... I, I, I obviously you guys know my my thoughts about Nick Willenda are well established on this show. Yep. Uh, Katy Perry, I got no beef. I, I nope. think she's interesting, cool person. Beth Moore, great person. Thing is, if you're living with a Babylon Bee editorial team, <laughs> here's the thing: is they'll have a lot of their friends over, but all the neighbors thinks they're kind of jerks. Like everyone who's like close is kind of like that. This guy's house. Yeah, they got some friends that like them, and they have some house parties they keep to themselves. But everyone in the neighborhood they yeah. don't get along with. You know, yeah. I think that would be the. Thing. Thing. And I, I'm very, I got a very good relationship with my neighbors. And I, so I think, you know, I don't know how I get along in that home. I like it. All right. Hey, we'll post these on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts. Follow us there. We will post these and we want to know which house you would move into. So uh, follow us on Twitter and, and uh, hit us back up about that. That's hilarious. All right. All good. Good, good choices. I, I see it. I see it. All right. Well, that'll do it for Roommate Wanted. Hey, before we wrap it up, I want to thank Ian and Morgan Cron for joining us today. Uh, make sure to check out his book, The Road Back to You. It's life-changing. Also, make sure to read the rest of that conversation we had with him over at relevantmagazine.com. It's part of our new You series presented by UHSM. You can find it right there on the homepage and clicking in the life section. You'll find new you. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to check out the winter issue of Relevant, featuring conversations on deconstruction or how churches are tackling medical debt, as well as a ton of A-list celebrities. Uh, it's right there on the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. It's available for free. Also, make sure to check out relevantstore.com. Uh, each week, we're adding new merch. We got shirts, mugs, our print edition, our archives, and some podcast fan stuff. Uh, some good deals going on right now. Check out relevantstore.com. Also, while you're at our site, make sure to not miss our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional every weekday. You can also sign up for the morning email. Um, and it's right there in the faith section at the website, Deeper Walk, a phenomenal way to start your day. Go check it out. Also, if you like the show, like what you hear, if you're still listening, I hope that you do. Tell people, wherever you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, any platform, rate us, leave a review. It helps people find the show, helps the algorithm, and uh, helps get word out. We've been doing this 16 years and we're still saying, help us get word out. I love it. Uh, tell us what you think. We love the feedback. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But if you like the show, go tell the public. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. And I'm Emily Brown downtown we will see you on friday have a great week everyone thanks for listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com.
Does Joe Exotic come with tigers? Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.